everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And this is Randy. Hi everybody, I'm Randy. And he's excited to be here. Today we're talk we're gonna talk about a film called Radioactive Dreams. Dreams from 1985. You got it right. One and done. One and done. Uh, a little film. This is a cult classic uh, directed by Albert Payan, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. And that's our little introduction to the, to the thing. It's but introduction. So the what basically this movie is, Radioactive Dreams, is, is a pastiche of uh, post-apocalypse and film noir. With some comedy. Uh, yeah, some comedy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of music. It's a mix, um, it's a real mixture of genres. Yeah, uh, and it follows basically it follows it follows the two, two main guys, characters, yes. Philip and Marlo. Yes, named after the the, the, the char- famous character played by Michael Dudikoff and John Stockwell, mm-hmm. uh, leaving a the fallout bunker after what was it fifteen mm-hmm. years twenty years uh, 15, living alone mm-hmm. uh, and setting out to discover themselves and along the way. Having their lives changed by a femme fatale. Caught up in either saving or destroying the world. Yes, that's the long and short of it. That's the long and short of it. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll elaborate more on it. And So, what did you think of Alan, P- Alan Pines? Albert. Albert Pines. Pines? We're not really on today, uh, Radioactive Dreams. <laughs> We're not really on today. I uh, really enjoyed this movie. It's not, it's not, there's not really many movies like this. Uh, post-apocalyptic uh, detective noir slash comedy slash science fiction uh, really difficult to describe. I, I think they're actually not specifically this mix but there is other movies like this and I can at least name one or two of them off the top of my head uh, there's the early 2000s indie film Six String Samurai featuring Buddy Holly wandering the wasteland with his guitar and katana yeah. But that's way after this film. That's way after this. This is this was made in 1985. And, and then the there's also, also in... the famous film, A Boy and His Dog, that also mm-hmm. covers a little bit of the similar thing, but more into the post-apocalyptic and less with the genre mm-hmm. mashup. But... Oh, yeah. The film starts in 1986 and technically takes place in 2001, and yet everybody is either... Uh, everybody's into basically cults that are very similar to the 1980s, so... It actually does feel like the world ended in 1986 and was frozen there when they came out in 2001. It's I like the little uh, mixture of uh, well, mixture else. of genres. It's because it's like it's something that I'm, it's like near and dear to my heart. The the the, the noir literary genre. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy post apocalyptic uh, stuff. And um, I guess we're gonna talk about our highlights because I don't want to conflate the impressions with the highlights section. Oh yes, the highlights. So for me, I guess the highlight of the film was. Well, for me, the highlight of the film, like, there's the an early action sequence. Like, you know, the one I'm talking about. Yes. They, they, it's as they first leave the fallout shelter and as they're getting embroiled in the whole femme fatale, save the world, mm-hmm. destroy the world thing. They're getting into a fight with a motorcycle gang. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a weird, dumb fight. You have, you, have, you have one character, Marlo... Doing backflips in the back of a trailer, trying to put out a fire, mm-hmm. and then you have the other one putting like a brick on the gas pedal and fighting another woman on on top of his uh, on the hood. Yeah. On the hood, it's just such a dumb thing. But that's a specific scene that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. But actually, a lot of the weird little action uh, yeah. foot not footnotes. What would you call it? Um, Interspersements. I'll remember my word after. Told you we're not on today, folks. 
Yeah, we, we, uh, it's, it's like, uh, as an aside here, or digression, we've been having a rough day trying <laughs> to watch movies. That's why we're, we're basically recording this out of order, and we're going to place it later in the season, so you won't really know when we're doing this. Yeah. Set pieces. That was the word I'm looking for. Set piece. Uh, the action set, the action in this film is a hot, good highlight, mm-hmm. but the comedy is pretty good. It's Everything just works in this film yeah. overall. Uh, you can but, see why it's a cult classic. Yeah. And that's, I really apologize if it's like, <laughs> we're really random out today. Um, yeah, uh, I'm highlight actually having a problem with highlights too, because this is actually the type of movie I like, so uh, picking one thing out of it to choose as a highlight is a bit difficult. I would say I like the, the mashing of the styles the best, because it's not just like film genres they mash up like i said before with the 80s cultures you have like greasers new wavers metalheads i like i like the reasoning behind it, it isn't that it's frozen in time mm. it's that there's a, a scene early on where one of the other i guess femme fatales appears and she she mm-hmm. goes what's your headspace man the headspace being what is your escape from the reality you live yeah. in you have the uh, disco dinks which are two little kids that dress up like they're disco drug dealers yes. john travolta you have your greasers because this is what they use to escape from this terrible environment it's this really yes. cool little makeup it's like and a little it would, it would be frozen in the in 1980s because that's when it first happened so it actually which makes coincidentally sense. resulted in the, the music of 2001 being just new wave uh that's basically the soundtrack which is probably another one of my highlights i actually really like the soundtrack to this movie very catchy and uh before we go into low, I, I, I i'm, I'm gonna place this here because it's, it's not yeah. really a highlight or a low light for this one but mm-hmm. maybe it might be what? a low light for me uh what is it possible to have too much music uh if it's a bad musical probably because well divorce from the film i go yeah this is kind of an enjoyable Mm -hmm. soundtrack but i found that sometimes it would just go on way too long the actual songs or the songs would be too on the nose to the action going Mm -hmm. on oh i can see that uh like the whole entire last like two songs in the movie literally coincide exactly to what's going on in the film well that's Segway, let's go right into the lowlights then with that. Like I said, it's, it's neither a lowlight, it's just a question. It's a legitimate question is, can there be too much music? Because it bro- it actually brought me out of the film. Hmm. I could see that. It, it, it's like, it, it, there are situations where they decide, okay, we're going to play this long mm-hmm. uh, new wave song. And it felt more like a music video and less like, uh, or actually more like they walked into a music video than, yeah. than an actual I, scene occurring. I could see your point on that one. And it felt like at times they could have maybe have done more with like a instrumental soundtrack, even if it was like synths and just. There were some in, in instrumental pieces. Yeah, but I, like, but it wasn't it wasn't interspersed enough. It was literally like, hey, here we're gonna play these these five uh, new wave songs back to back to back, and they're all good songs individually, but they all start to sound the same it as actually, things go on. Yeah, actually, it's kind of a shame though because the instrumental pieces that they did play, I actually really liked. They were very fitting. They actually felt very eighties, and they felt very film noir at the same like time. Like I said, I, I guess that would be a low light for me for this. Film. It's just that it felt like there the music it was, was too, too busy. Yeah, it it, it it distracted from the film itself, and and yeah. like I said, there's that scene where mm-hmm. it literally felt like they walked into a music video because they the singer singing into the camera and she keeps like really vamping for the camera and getting in the way, and what they're doing is happening in the background as they're walking mm-hmm. through to the the, the penultimate scene. They're basically, walking through chaos. And then we get our Bollywood ending, which, like I said, is not oh, a low light. I, I like that. A not a low light, but it's also not a highlight for me. So I'm just placing <laughs> it here, where where goes back to my thing that's a little too on the nose. They walk out and they start singing and dancing, doing the post-apocalyptic uh, jitterbug or or dance. Yeah. Uh, and and once again, with lyrics that are way too on the nose. Well, yeah. 
but it wasn't like the music was really playing. It was more like it was in their heads. So it's not yeah. like a big dance. Here, movie. let me bring you back. You know, how about the scene with uh, Rusty? Uh, who, well, I should really go on about some of these characters, but the femme fatale number two and love interest number one mm-hmm. yeah. of uh, the main character, Philip. She's being attacked by the disco dinks. I called them that because I, I didn't hear what they were called, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, and the song is being very on the nose. It's like, as she runs away, and that's basically what this the song is. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's saved by a white knight. He appears on the screen at that moment. And it's very much basically telegraphing exactly what's going on in the yeah. scene. Like I said, that brought me out. Well, like I said, if that's not what you care for, then I suppose it would be a low light for you. Uh, um, my low lights is actually a, a lot harder, like I said, to discern, because this is really the type of thing I like. But I would say, um, well, you mentioned them before, the Disco Dinks. Well, I, I enjoyed them as uh, really bizarre characters. I think they appeared too many times compared to every other uh, thug in the movie. They're, okay, so this is the Disco Ding shtick. They're a pair of children. I'm, assu- I'm assuming we're supposed to assume they're like little people who, yeah, they dress like John Travolta meets Elvis Presley. And um, they run around with big guns and they're constantly swearing at everybody. I don't know. And if were this... they twins? Uh, no, they're just kids. I, I think they're just supposed to be kids. I don't think they're supposed to be uh, like midgets or anything like that. I think they're just it's... supposed to be kids and they're supposed to be bizarre that kids would be like this, you know, grotesque. I, I didn't have any problem with them as characters. It's, they they, I they just were just thought they were too many times. Um, I had some problems with some of the acting in the film, but yeah. it's a very hammy film. Kind of goes with the style. Yeah, your two main characters, they, they, they played it pretty straight except for uh, Marlo's constant screeching. And also, just as a little side, that this was kind of not a little light, but it's like something that they they kind of mm-hmm. didn't really call back to a lot. Um, they set it up as I I spent the last fifteen years, my my Christian Bale voice, voice people mm-hmm. practicing my magic, and Marlowe practiced his dancing, mm-hmm. and the, really the dancing for the disco, the disco, the the, the dancing detective Marlowe mm-hmm. happens it happens a little bit in the action sequences because he kind of does a little acrobatics and all that, but. Mm-hmm. The magic, the the sleight of hand, only is used like once or twice. It's supposed to be part of their characters, but it's not really utilized well. Well, it's supposed to be also part of uh, Philip's character as he's kind of a, a crafty guy, especially compared. Yeah, I know, to but his... he doesn't he doesn't really do it. It's it's, it's there. It's like here's a, just he's like he's very good with sleight of hand. It's like okay, that's going to come into play, and it does come into play. But mm-hmm. it, it, like I said, it just felt like they they didn't like go for a lot of the things that they were setting up. Yeah, I could I understand. But, and also, Marlowe is an idiot who yells too much. In a Fred-like fashion, if people get that reference, please, I hope you don't. So, Len, let's go straight into the scores. What would you score this movie? What would you score the film, JD? (laughs) You're looking for me first, huh? Well, okay. Like I said before, I really like these types of movies, and I really like this one in particular. To give it an honest shake, I would give it a 4 out of 5. It's not a perfect film. It has flaws, which we just talked about. But on an enjoyability factor, this is a movie I could put on a lot and really enjoy. It hits all the right notes for me. So that's a solid, solid four. I give this movie a four. You give it a four, really? This is the most enjoyment I've had out of all the movies we've watched. All of them? So far, next to Death Wish. Wow. Keep in mind, I've only given a four to Death Wish. And I, I'm putting, and Death Wish was a 3.5 movie going on four. This is a 3.5 movie going on four, but I would actually put it up slightly above for me wow. over Death Wish. Um, like everything seemed to like, there's a reason why this is a cult classic mm-hmm. film. It's charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, while there are the, 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 like the weird things of the music being like too much, yeah. uh, some of the acting not being great, but that's part and parcel of a cult classic. Yeah. It's like the movies aren't perfect. They don't always work well, mm-hmm. but there's something about it that 
yeah. to elevate it to that status. Uh, so for me, this is a four. It's been my the most fun I've had watching a movie mm. out of all these movies so far. Yeah, it, was a very, it was a very enjoyable film. I'm glad we got to cover it for uh, non-canon. It's like there's a lot of things I could actually go on thematically. I could talk about... There's a lot of stuff here where this felt more like a complete movie than... Like I said, like than some of the other ones, it's like, but it's 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 been tickling the part of my brain that could go. I could sit here and I could analyze this. I could break it down. I could pull out all the references mm-hmm. and elevate the movie higher. Well, Whereas a lot of other movies where I'm like, this is a movie I'd watch multiple times. No yeah, I would actually it. watch multiple times. It's like I'm not sure if it's changed uh, since then though. But I'm not even sure this movie is like out on DVD in. Like the Americas, which would be a real shame. That's what not. I was actually going to be checking afterwards to see if this was available in some way, shape, or form. So I could have a physical copy of it lying around. Yes. This, is, this is a very good movie. It really deserves to be seen by more people. If you, especially if you haven't seen uh, seen it. I would recommend seeing it. And also, as a quick like, a little side before we go, it's like, and people, if you like this movie, you'll also like the movie I mentioned earlier. You'll like Six Change Samurai. So it's a different pace. But it has that same sort of zaniness, that same sort of weirdness that this movie has, and I would recommend that one as well, just as a just as a just as a bonus. All right, so uh, that was a lot of fun to talk about. So let's uh, wrap as much this of a up. mess as it was to talk about. It was a lot of fun to talk <laughs> about. We apologize. This was kind of a strange day for us. All right, guys, we're the Canon Cruisers, and we'll see you next time when we continue cruising the Canon catalog. Here's JD. I'm JD. I'm Randy. He's Randy, and I'm saying goodbye, not waving. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take it easy.